0: and thank you for joining us today on friend of god brought to you by friendship baptist church in sturges mississippi it is our goal to take the word of god to as many people as possible we pray that you not only enjoy today's message but more importantly we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action god bless and enjoy so uh, if you've got
1: a bible you can turn to First Peter this morning, and we'd be glad that you did. And if you need a Bible this morning, in your pew you'll see these Bibles that look kind of like this. And on page 1,211 you'll find First Peter. So uh, you can turn in that Bible if you don't have one. And if you don't have one at all, you're welcome to take that Bible home with you. So um, again, we're in the book of First Peter. We're looking at a living hope this morning. And uh, and I believe if you're not awake after that song, then, uh, then, then you need to just kind of look around and shake yourself a little bit because that's God at work. And so thank you for Brother John filling in this morning, for Jeremy Brown. He's unable to be here today. So, uh, so thank you for always filling in and for the great musicians we have here at Friendship. So a living hope and a salvation. I love the fact that a living hope means that we have a God who is not dead. A God who is alive forevermore. A God who sent his only begotten son to die on my behalf, on your behalf, that we might have hope eternal in him. A salvation that's sure. And what does that mean about a sure salvation? That means that we don't have to question. If we're a child of the living God, then we're always a child of the living God and so so what does it mean to have a living hope and assure salvation great illustration I was reading this week goes like this it says a little boy heard the noted American preacher Howard Thurman preaching in India one night after he and Miss Thurman had gone to bed there was a knock at the door opening it there stood a lad whose clothing marked him as an untouchable In broken but polite English, he said, I stood outside the building and listened to your lecture. Sahib, doctor, tell me, please, can you give me some hope to a nobody? Whereupon the Indian boy dropped to his knees in admiration and reverence as the compassionate black Christian attempted to communicate the meaning of Christ's invitation. Please come, everything is now ready. A living hope and a sure salvation means that you and I all have access to the gospel through Jesus Christ. We have a hope eternal for all generations to come. It's not just one group. It's not just this group. It's not just certain groups. It's not just those who have, have relatively done the right thing all their lives. It's for all people. The gospel is for all people in all places because we all sin and we all need Jesus. And so 1 Peter chapter 1 explains what Peter is here for, what Peter is speaking about, and who he's speaking to. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Blithia, and who are chosen, okay? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying word of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Grace and peace. How many of you know that there's nothing that we can do to attain the peace and the grace that only God can bring? It's because He loves us, because He sees through our sin to who He created us to be and desires to unite with us and to know us. It's because of what He's done. Grace, unmerited favor comes from a loving God. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Have you been born again this morning, friends? Do you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins once and for all? To be born again means that you're no longer the sin-stained person you used to be, but Christ has changed you and has given you a new life and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you know that Jesus will return one day for you and I who've fallen asleep in the Lord? For all of us who go before Jesus comes, there will be a day where we'll get to go home and He'll say, well done. There's a time in our life where we'll have to make an account of what we have done. And there's a time He's welcoming us home in that. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That means that if you're a child of God, your mailbox has already been put up in heaven. It's just waiting for you to get there. God's already got a place for you. Jesus said He's going to prepare a place for you. And He's making that home ready for you who know Him as Lord and Savior. Again, I ask you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning? It says here, reserved in heaven, will not fade away, undefiled, imperishable, and it's it's going to be there, it's not going away, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. How many of you understand daily that you are protected by the power of God? Y'all, I've seen so many people in their front yard have these little things stuck in the yard, say, protected by whatever company. Y'all, that's not going to protect you like God does. That's not going to give you the hope that Jesus does. That's not going to be the sure salvation that you need. When you lay your head down at night, that alarm might not go off. Those things might not happen. Something might happen in your life, and it's important that you know, that you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that's called assurance, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and you have believed in Him, and He has made you born again, and that hope that cannot be shaken is yours. So how are we to rejoice even through times of trials? How many of you just believe, I think, when you start out as a Christian believer, that everything is going to be better? And it is in some ways, but we still face trials just like everybody else does. It's just that we have a different response to the trials that we face. We have a different hope than the world has. We have a different truth than the world believes. And so we live differently and we act differently and we react differently, don't we? We don't let the problems of this life shut us down, but we go, we go to God and we become students of prayer. When everything comes our way and trials come our way, that's when we draw near to God, right? That's when we look to Him. That's when we put aside our own abilities and say God is more than able. But in verse 6, it tells us, in this you greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So He tells us we're going to endure trials. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen that we didn't expect. Something's going to knock the wind out of us, right? Something's going to come around the corner, and we didn't see it coming. But it doesn't mean that our hope is any less in Jesus Christ. It says, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love that mindset, and in my mind, I've seen various people struggle through untold illnesses and hardships and you almost want to look at them and say well how are you keeping a smile on your face how are you still you know praising God how are you still having such a disposition of hope in the midst of all things and they'll tell you their answer is Jesus Christ their answer is if I did not have my faith I don't think I would make it if I did not have a hope I don't know what would happen. But what they've said too is that I do know this. If something happens, if this illness takes me, I know where I'm going. And so they have a heart, a disposition that is wrapped up in the hope of Jesus Christ. Proving that which is in Him. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with a joy inexpressible full of glory. How many of you understand that's what faith's all about? That's what faith is all about. You and I don't always see like the disciples saw Jesus standing there. But I'm telling you, I've seen men and women in my lifetime who undeniably know Jesus and the joy that radiates from their life and the prayer life that they have and the words that they speak you know they've been with the Lord so they have that hope that that inexpressible joy full of glory and they rejoice not in this life they rejoice in the life that is to come See, our reward is not in this life. How many of you understand that? Like, what we as believers obtain is not this earthly joy that we have. And a lot of stuff we do have are great and good because God created them to be. But even far more so better is eternal life where we get to be with Him forever. And we get to worship Him forever. And there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurt, no more trials, nothing. Because we will fully realize, even though we know now, we'll fully realize then that He is the Lord and Savior that He said He is. So I don't want my reward now. I want my reward in heaven. And so that means that I'm going to go through some things now. And so First Peter says why. First Peter 1.9 says, "...obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls." So my goal is to not look to what happens now. My goal is to look upward to the heavenly places where my help comes from. And if you look back in the Old Testament, that is repeated time and again, isn't it? That we're going to look up, right? We're going to look up because looking down, you focus on the earthly things and the earthly problems of which we actually have no control over. Amen. How many of you realized you have less control than you think you do? I think when you start out in life, and maybe when you go through the teenage ranks and get into college, you're like, I'm going to go and obtain this, and I'm going to do this, and this is my plan, and this is my goal. But what it should be is, what can God do in this time, and I'm going to follow Him. What is His plan? What is His goal? What is His plan for my life? And how can I best glorify Him in what I do? Because as a believer, I want to tell other people how to be born again too, right? I don't just want to be born again. I want to tell other people how to be born again. So we look at this and we see these things like grace. Grace in the Holy Spirit. I said it before, grace is unmerited favor. That means that God so loved us, not that we deserved it, right? God loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have eternal life because He sent Him into this world not to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through Him. So there is grace, that unmerited favor that we didn't do anything other than mess things up, right? We didn't do anything other than just become calloused in our ways. We didn't do anything other than sin, but at the appropriate time, we believed in everything that he said he was. 1 Peter 1.10, 1 1 excuse me. As to the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating that he might predict it. "...the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. And these things which have now been announced to you, that through these who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels longed to look." Do you know this morning that God loves you? Do you know that He came through Jesus Christ to die for you in your place, that you might have a living hope and a sure salvation? And I'll ask you again, do you know Jesus is Lord and Savior this morning? So what can we do? How can we respond? Because when you hear something that's so awesome as what He gives us and how He loves us and what He did for us and what we need to do in our lives, what can we do to respond? How can we even like have something to say back or something to do? Verse 13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. That means be ready, right? That means get ready for what's coming to the best of your ability. It says keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, to, to be a Christian is to know who you are, Right? To be a Christian is to know who He is in your life. To be a Christian means that you have a hope that is unshakable because it's not set on anything that the earth has set before us because the world is changing, right? The things are changing, but we know God never, ever changes, does He? So the salvation that we have and the God that we have and the hope that we have, it does not change based on the circumstance, But it tells us to live differently. Verse 14, it says this as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be yourselves, be holy yourselves also in behavior. So, in other words, the former life, meaning the way you were before you knew Jesus Christ, don't go back there. Leave that in the past. Understand that that's been forgiven. Understand that you've been changed. That that you back then is not you now. And that's not the good old days, y'all. The good days are in Christ Jesus when we've been forever changed. The good days are when we have hope that the world does not have. The good days are when we have an assurance of our salvation that we realize that cancer cannot take. That sickness cannot take. That alcohol cannot take. That addiction cannot take. We have a hope that this world cannot take. As believers in Christ, as children of God, we are called to be holy because it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you address the Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. How many of you understand that we are to fear God alone. Y'all, there's a lot of things in this life that we can look at and say, things are not like they ought to be. And we could all agree on those things. But I'm not as afraid of those things as I am afraid of what God has for me. And what God says of me. And how God leads me. That's the fear that I want to follow. But I want to do it willingly. I want to do it as He wants me to do. And so he says, He impartially judges according to each one's work that means that he doesn't label us all the same he judges according to what we've done knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life inherited by your forefathers but with a precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless the blood of christ you and i have been bought with a price Scripture tells us that again and again we have been bought with a price and that price is Jesus' blood. For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have an obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Y'all it's so much easier to love another person if we know we've been loved by God, right? Because it helps us look past all the things that happen in this world and helps us love people like Jesus. That means, that means if our brother or sister do us wrong, we still love them. We might not agree with them, we still love them. But we are to treat them and love them from the heart. For you have been born again, not, as, not of seed which is a perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring world, Word of God. We've been born again through the Word of God. And what I told you earlier is still true. The Word of God does not change. The Word of God is going to be here. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that means it's not perishable. It's imperishable. That means that as your grandparents read the Bible, it's the same Word of God today. Because it's the power of God that brings about change. It doesn't have an expiration date. How many of you go in your refrigerator and check things by the smell test? Anybody ever do that? Anybody? What happens? You go in there and you say, I want a bowl of cereal. And then you take the top off of that thing and you take a whiff of it. Now you say, well, this is a perishable thing. So certainly it could go bad, right? But the Word of God, every time you open it, it's fresh and ready for you. Ready for you to consume and to know His will. It says, For all flesh is like grass, and all glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word which was preached to you. I want you to look at verse 25 again. The word of the Lord endures forever. That means it goes without end. It has no expiration date. That means His love for you has no expiration date. That means that His plan for you has no expiration date. That means that He is eternal. Everything else is going to pass away. Everything else is going to go to the wayside. But the Lord will help us endure to the very end. So I ask you this morning, is He your living hope? Is He your living hope? Because if you put your hope in anything else this world has to afford you, it will let you down every time. But I'm telling you, the living hope of Him who is in Jesus Christ comes in the proof of who Jesus was. Jesus was willing to die for me and for you. And was willing to prove His love for us. There's no greater love than He who laid His life down for His friends. And you and I are called friends of the God the living God, the most high God. And it says here, I love John 20, 24. This is is the account of Thomas, which is one of the 12 called Didymus. He was not with him when Jesus came the first time. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. Imagine you're, you're the one, you're probably like me, that you're not there. And then they said to see the Lord, I've seen the Lord. And you're like, where was I at? why wasn't I there? Why didn't I get to see the Lord? I won't believe it unless I see the Lord for myself. And he says, unless I put my hands in the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. So all of us have to make that decision for ourselves whether or not we believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, don't we? We have to see the proof ourselves in our own spiritual lives and come to that recognition that we need Jesus more than anything else. It says this, After eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors have been shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be with you. I'll imagine you're in a room without a window, and then whew, there's Jesus. That's the only thing in my mind I can actually think of here. Like, you're in the room, you're with your disciple friends, and then all of a sudden, there's Jesus. And so Thomas, who says, I haven't seen Jesus, is now about to see Jesus. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving, but be believing And so, what is his response here to, to does he believe that he is the living God? Thomas answered to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said this to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who do not see and yet believed. So, do you know him as your living hope? Secondly, is he your salvation? Is he your salvation? Everything rests and resides in my life on the fact that I know that Jesus is everything He claims to be. And so He says here, and I'm going to give you some scriptures. And so if you don't have time to look at every one of these, just write these down. John five twenty four says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. That's pretty sure, isn't it? Matthew seven twenty one says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father will enter. Then we see Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. Romans 8, 20, uh, Romans 8 1 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So is He your sure salvation? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God and you've been born again? If you don't have that assurance, that hope, then I implore you to know Him today. Because it matters. We don't know the day or the hour that He is going to return. We don't know the moment that He will be here. But we do know this fact. We live in a perishable body. And one day soon, it will come our time. And we will stand before the Lord. And we will have to give recognition for all that we have done. Thirdly, we see everything fades away. Doesn't last forever, but the Word of God endures. You know, when I was growing up, my grandfather kept a lot of old newspapers and a number of other things because he went through times like the Depression and the war and all these other things, and he kept a lot of things. But do you know that after a while, those newspapers and those things, they begin to decay. They began to rust. They began to not be as useful as they could be. And today you would find maybe a faint piece of paper inside the barn at his house. It fades away. It doesn't last. And we can invest in so many things that fade away, that don't last. That's why it's important for parents to tell their kids how to love Jesus more than anything else. That's why it's important that you pray with your spouse. That's why it's important that you tell others in your life about Jesus. That's why it's important that you tell of the sure hope and salvation that you have because we know that these things do not endure that we sometimes hold on to. 1 Peter 1.25 told us a minute ago, it says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Fourthly, we see within our understanding of what it means to be a believer in Christ is this. And I love this part about the gospel. Once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God. Amen? As believers in Christ, we understand that we are once saved, always saved. That means that we might disappoint. That means we might need forgiveness. That means that we are not perfect. But that means that God is always willing to receive us and forgive us and give us a firm foundation in him. It says this John 10, 28. and I give eternal life to them and they never perish. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. <clears throat> Y'all, nothing is faster than a kid who's trying to get s- snacks out of your hand, is it? Anybody ever seen you have a you have something, you have their snack ready to go and have that thing opened and ready to go and what happens? I mean, they're like a ninja in the night. They'd grab it, and half of us on the ground, but also, they grab it really fast. But you know that once we're a child of God, nothing can snatch us from His hand. Nothing can take us from His hand. When we are His, He is ours forever. And so we don't need to be saved over and over again. You and I cannot lose our salvation once it's secure in Him. So I ask you today... What will you choose today? Do you know that Jesus is Lord and Savior in your life? Do you have that hope that is living from a living God? Do you have a salvation that's unshakable? Are you sure that you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is Lord and Savior? Have you been born again? Do you believe in Him? Do you fear the Lord greater than anything else? This morning, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to respond this morning. And maybe quite simply, you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you've never ever had that hope that He brings. I'm going to invite you to know Jesus this morning. Secondly, I'm going to invite you this morning to just thank Him. Because I find that we get so overwhelmed with our problems most often that we fail to thank Him for what He's doing, right? We wonder, God, where's our reward? And then we're reminded in Scripture what happens. That this is not the end of our story, right? This problem is not the worst thing we're going to face. As children of God, we come knowing that eternity resides in Jesus and the place that He's prepared for us.
0: Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity. And we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God filled day, and please remember love God, love people, and reach the world.